With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, before we dive into Girls Next Door episode two, Bridget and I just want to take a minute to thank you guys for all the amazing comments and the supportive messages you guys have been sending us. For so many years, I was only seeing negative comments about the show mostly. So to hear such positive things now, it really just means so much to us. Episodes one and two of Girls Next Door are pretty heavy for us, but I promise you after episode three, the mood will get lighter. (laughs) The episodes do get lighter, but not quite yet. I mean, we have to get through these first few episodes that are supposedly establishing who we are at first. And it's not easy for us to talk about. We've seen so much of the negativity over the years. And we know that you just never get a second chance to make a first impression. So, but we also see all of your sweet and supportive messages. And so we know that some of you did see our true personality shine through. But keep in mind, we're trying to take each episode minute by minute and tell you how we felt then and how we feel about it now. And there were a lot of ups and downs and mixed feelings, but there's also a lot of fun and positivity to come as well. So thank you to all of you who are listening or watching if you're on our Patreon. And thanks for following along on this crazy journey. Welcome back to Girls Next Level. Today we are going over Girls Next Door episode two. This one is called Meet the Girls. This episode, it makes me want to throw something. Oh, you. (laughs) But this is also like Bridget's episode. According to the producer, the first episode was mine. The second episode was Bridget's. And the third episode is Kendra's. And I think we can both agree that they did you dirty in this one. For sure. And like, I just don't even know where to start and I'm just gonna be honest with everybody out there like I was I have been ever since I watched this a few days ago I have been sick about it sick to my stomach I feel bad that I made you watch it I'm like (laughs) hey want to do this podcast (laughs) well it's funny because you know when you first asked me to do this podcast I just was like yeah I was thinking everything was great like I had no bad feelings about anybody I just felt really positive about the whole experience everything was good I had nothing bad to say and then I start watching, I, I just thought the worst part was going to be going through all of the Mean Girls episode and everything yeah. before we mm-hmm. were shooting Girls Next Door. And then I thought, once we hit Girls Next Door, this is just going to be fun from here on out. Yeah. And then I get hit with episode one, two, and three. And I'm like, oh my God. And you warned me, episode one, two, and three are the worst. But I took it as, it was hard just kind of watching yourself on TV again. I didn't mm-hmm. take it as, watch out because... You're going to realize you were royally fucked. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, so people will say, well, you saw it before. How did you not know? And I did see it, but I have not watched these since we did commentary on them, which was probably 16 years ago. Exactly. And the impact is just so different because like we said in the last episode, we're out of the bubble where everybody's only giving us positive reinforcement. And, you know, we've lived with like 15 years of just not that it's been like brutal or anything, but, you know, when you're on a TV show like that and everybody out in the outside world thinks they know you and thinks that's exactly who you are. When you meet people in real life every single day, they're kind of coming toward you with preconceived notions. 
Oh, definitely. But for me, I'm only going basing it on the, like you said, we're in the bubble. So we're mm-hmm. watching the episode and people know you. We're in a room, in a giant screening room. Well, not giant, but you know, the yeah. whole big living room at the mansion, screening it with probably what, like 30, 40 people or something mm-hmm. like that. And everyone is like applauding and thinks the episode is so great and they already know you. So they know that's not really how you are. And you, that's all you get. That's all you reacted to. That's the to. only feedback we got. Yeah, and even though I was cringing and hating it and mm-hmm. feeling awful about it, at the end there was like a payoff that made it in my eyes like kind of worth it and I'm thinking this is reality TV and everything. And people will probably say that it's reality TV, it's what you signed up for. But keep in mind, well, first of all, we I didn't, didn't really sign up for, sign it. Up for it. You <laughs> yeah. know, we were kind of like, okay, we have to do this or we have to completely start our lives over. Yeah, I didn't ask to be on the show, you know, and I so I, w- I just want to start it off with that. And, you know, Holly talks about the first episode made her look really bad because it shows her doing dirty looks that weren't genuine in the moment. And it's, it shows her, like, talking about wanting all the other girls out and just looking bitchy and unwelcoming and stuff. And this episode, for me, she said, is, gonna, is your bitch episode. And yeah. you're so right. So... I mean, it was no secret that Playmate was something that I really wanted for a really long time. And I feel like the whole time, I was like one of the only people that was even honest about wanting it. For sure. Even when the seven girlfriends were there, nobody admitted that they nobody wanted, wanted to admit it. Like I even said when I did like a YouTube react to this, I was like, Bridget's the only one being authentic in the interview. Because by this point, and we can talk about it more when we get to this spot in the episode, I was embarrassed to say I wanted to be a Playmate because... Like, what's the sitch then? Your boyfriend thinks you're ugly? Like, what's the deal? So I was, like, embarrassed to admit it. And then when Kendra's saying, oh, yeah, I don't really think about it, but it'd be cool if it happened. I don't know if I buy that. Like, I don't think she wanted to be a playmate as badly as we did. But I don't really buy that she's that nonchalant about it either. I think she's just saying what she thinks is, like, the nice thing to say or the safe thing to say. You're the only one who's really being raw about what you really want. Right. And I mean, even when the seven girlfriends were there, I felt like they were snickering at me and making fun of me. Oh, she thinks she's going to be a playmate or she wants to be a playmate. And all along, they wanted it too. Absolutely. And then in the episode, obviously, when it's, it's Kendra, you and I, they talk to you about it and you're like, oh yeah, it would be great. But you know, I'm here for Hef and that is you know, by far mm-hmm. superior to be playmate. And in Ken- like you said, Kendra's just nonchalant about it. And I was the only one that was coming forward saying that, no, this is something I've wanted my whole life. And it's the main reason I'm here at the mansion. And it's hard. And they would grill me. I counted in that episode that they interviewed me six different times about how bad I wanted to be playmate, how difficult it is to see these girls coming and getting the opportunity that you want so badly and seeing girls make playmate and everything. And to the point of being in tears on on several occasions. Because it took them that long to get what they wanted out of you. Yeah, and I was open and honest and raw about it. And I told them like my innermost feelings. When I talk about like critiquing the girls, these aren't things that I said out loud or that I was secretly telling everybody else like going, oh, this girl's awful. She's never going to make it. Or in a mean way. It's just everybody kind of thinks that. Like when you're used to seeing like a new group of girls every week or so coming in. It's natural to kind of think, oh, I bet that one has a really good chance, but I don't know if that one's going to make it. Not because we're being mean. It's just it instantly goes into your head because you know they're there to try out. You know what the beauty standard, according to the magazine, was. It's just natural. Right. And I don't think I'm doing anything that anybody else doesn't do 
and on a regular day basis, mm-hmm. when you meet somebody, it's always that first impression thing. Yeah. I was just being honest about it and open. And I feel like they really used it against me. 100%. And I mean, there were times they even like, if you look, if you watch the episode, there's times where they interviewed me. I'm not even out of bed yet. Like I'm still in bed in my pajamas in with my pajamas. coffee yeah. next to me. And they're grilling me on how bad I want Playmate. And then at the, pl- or to be in the magazine. And then at the Playmate of the Year party, they're like interviewing me before I even go downstairs, like grilling me on yeah. it. Like, what, how does this feel to you? Like, what do you think about this? What do you think about all the girls that didn't get it? What do you think of, so it was just, I just feel like I was being open and vulnerable and I, and I just feel like it really got, uh, thrown in my face. And like I said, at the time, there's nothing much I could do about it. There was nothing I could do about it really. Yeah. And I'm in a bubble where everybody is like, you know, knows who I am and thinks that, you know, knows that I'm not really that way. And then at the end we get the prize. But the only reason the reason they had to grill me like that is because in order to set the stakes high that this is something coveted and something mm-hmm. that we really want, they needed my interview to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Because nobody else was giving it to them. Yeah, no way. If I was just sitting there going, yeah, I've always wanted it, but you know, whatever. If Heft wants to give it to us, cool. It just wouldn't have been a payoff at the end. It yeah, been like, there would have been girls, no stakes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, these girls really don't care whether they mm-hmm. get it or not. So they had to really up the ante with my interviews and I gave it to them and I feel like I got fucked for it a hundred percent because it takes a dark turn too and we can get into it more when we get to the chronology of the episode but it even makes it look like you're trying to like give the girls extra drinks so they get wasted and don't get it which is not anything you would ever even remotely do right they're talking about pure sabotage yeah and I joke well we'll get to it when we get to that part but um I don't want to jump too far ahead but I just wanted to get that out in the open right now and like at first I was like you know what maybe just don't get into it and don't get emotional over it because it was a reality show 16 years ago it was edited that way and you know that's how you felt at that time Mm -hmm. and whatever and just whatever we've moved on from then but then at the other the other token of that is no but we're doing a podcast and we're trying to be open and honest about our stuff and I want to like really open up and confide and and I honestly forgot that it went that far and now and now I feel really hurt by it a hundred percent and I just know like he never told this to me but I just know how Kevin thinks I know he looked at that situation and what he saw was oh my god all these girls want to be in the magazine and they can't and they have to watch new girls come in and get it every single month which is true. Like I, and it's true. And it's weird. And it's kind of fucked up. Yeah. And I was jealous of it. Yeah. You know? Oh, me too. And I say, and they always catch me. They always have me saying jealous like so many times in there. And some of the times, and maybe I'm wrong for doing this, but I use the word jealous as kind of like a a way to tell somebody that I really admire what you're doing in a yeah, way. Do you know because what I mean? we never like, resented the other girls for it. Like we always wanted to make friends with the playmates. Like when somebody got playmate of the year, like you and I were always there to like celebrate oh. them and make them extra gifts and make sure we did something special for them. Definitely. So it wasn't that, but I mean, you can be happy for somebody else and really wish you had that thing too. Yeah. And I would tell people like Tiffany found like, Oh my God, I'm so happy for you. I'm so jealous. Mm-hmm. Like that's so exciting. But I mean it in like a positive way not like I'm so jealous I, I want to kill you for it and I wish it was me you know it's yeah. like it's like I'm so jealous meaning that I wish I were in your shoes that's incredible that's amazing no that's exactly how I felt in 2006 when Kara Monaco got it because I just felt like 
I wasn't moving on with my life at all and I felt stuck at the mansion and when Kara had her big ceremony I'm like I feel like she's graduating and moving on with her life and I remember her pictorial because she used to work at Disney World they did this like Cinderella pictorial which of course I'm like so jealous of and I thought it was so amazing See, for me, that was Tiffany Fallon's year. Like, I remember, like, hanging out in her room at the mansion when she was staying there, getting shooting stuff and everything, and thinking her pictorial was so incredible, all the pinup stuff. Okay, they have this picture of Tiffany on a giant crescent moon, and she's <sighs> naked, and it is one of the best photos I think Playboy has ever published. It's, I remember I ordered, like, a giant blow-up of it to hang in the guest house. It's amazing. Oh, I thought all... With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. All of her photos were the cutest. Stunning. That was one of the cutest pictorials ever. Yeah, it was just very pinup and just... It was adorable and and gorgeous at the same mm-hmm. time. Like if you can be, if it can be both. And I remember just talking to her and saying, like, I'm so envious. Like she was pl- all these uh, press trips and promotional things she was doing. And I'm yeah. like, oh my god, I was dreaming of like a of having like a life like that where mm-hmm. I could like promote Playboy, a brand that I loved. Yeah. And um and and have that kind of thing going on because I just felt so suppressed at this time. Yeah, because that's what we came to the whole situation for and we didn't get it after years and years and after years and years of going through all this drama and you're watching other people get it and you're happy for them but it's like damn well she could do that too (laughs) even at one point Hef came to me and said you know um I can't make every cute blonde a playmate and what would happen if I made you a playmate like what would the other girls say so I was kind of told like you're not gonna get it because if I make you one I have to make everyone one Oh, when I asked about it, I got my head bit off. And he said I could do like a cyber girl shoot. And I agreed to do it, but I didn't like the pictures. So I didn't want him to use them. But I I was told like, no way. He's like, I'm done making girlfriends playmates. But he was like mean about it. Like he really guilt tripped me about it and said, I didn't think you were just like the other girls, just a user. And I was like, oh, wow. Well, he let me do an actual second test. Mm -hmm. So they show pictures of my first test that I did way back in 1988. Mm -hmm. And it looks 19, did I say 1998? 1998. (laughs) 1998. And it's so dated. And I feel like I had changed so much. And then I did get to do another test. I think he was just trying to... um, shut me up for a little bit but then that's when he came to me and said you know like I can't I can't give it to you and not everybody else so like yeah it was a lose-lose yeah and I don't know if that was just an excuse because well I think it's kind of true like I can imagine the situation he's in but it's interesting because he clearly made a decision at some point and I think coincidentally it was right around the time I moved in where he's like okay I'm not doing girlfriends as playmates anymore because they just leave right after but he, but you'd think if you were in that position and you thought, oh, okay, people are dating me because of this, that when you asked a new girl to move in or whatever, you'd kind of maybe make that clear. Like, oh, just so you know, we're not doing this anymore. Hell no. He didn't even hint at that because he wanted all the carrots out there dangling so all the girls would come in, you know, but didn't 
even though it's obvious to him that that's probably a huge attraction for a lot of people. Yeah. Well, I wish I could post the Polaroids from my second test because I think they turned out so good. No, I love your second test. They're so cute. Oh, I also wanted to say, you know, when um, in the first episode, when they edit me being like snarky to Crystal over the green dress and stuff, like I just chalked that up as that was just like reality TV. Yeah. And I know they're going to do things like mm -hmm. that. But then after I watched the second episode and then watched the third one too, I realized that no, that's not what they were doing. Like, I wasn't allowed to be funny, so they took out the, the me just joking and laughing yeah. about it part. And I realized that what they were doing was setting me up to be bitchy and seem um, just jealous and resentful of the other girls and not welcoming and stuff because only one person was allowed to be welcoming. Yeah, or only one person's allowed to be funny. Yeah. And I think we can dive into that hard in episode three. But I didn't realize back then that that's how they were grooming my character to be. No, I always thought, okay, they just needed drama right then. Next time it'll be Kendra's turn. But it yeah. was never Kendra's turn. Exactly. Should we talk about just how cool it was to be Playmate of the Year back yes. then? Yes. Because I that was a huge factor in me even wanting to be a Playmate. Because every year, Entertainment Tonight would do like a little feature on the Playmate of the Year. And, you know, this was back in the day when, like, there wasn't a lot of, like, stuff on TV or a lot of media out there. So, like, every family would have, like, the news or entertainment tonight just on their TV in the living room every night. So yeah. everybody would see this. Everybody watched it. And every year on Entertainment Tonight, they'd do a piece on the Playmate of the Year. And I remember in 1999, it was this woman named Heather Kozar. And I she knew you were going to say hers. Yeah, she had short blonde hair. And they did her up to look like Marilyn Monroe. And she had, like, this old Hollywood-themed pictorial. It was gorgeous. And her cover was, like, black with pink lettering. And they show her whole like playmate of the year luncheon and they gave her like this beautiful shelby cobra which is like this amazing like classic car mm -hmm. she got a motorcycle i'm not into motorcycles but still you just see and they get a hundred thousand dollars and you just see that they get all this and they just seem like the it girl and i remember thinking well they are the it girl yeah. for like at least the next year if not longer yeah and i just remember thinking oh my god that would be so cool to be playmate of the year right yeah and then the party that goes along with it, there's a big luncheon. Well, it starts even before that. There's tons of press all morning yeah. long that you do alongside Hef. Like every news outlet is there. You do a photo shoot with the press, with your car and your mm -hmm. prizes and all that kind of stuff. The back... Uh, the backyard of the mansion is decorated beautifully, but different than any other party. It's like a big white tent, and there's like a million pink flowers everywhere. Unfortunately, they were stargazer lilies, which you're allergic to. I know. <laughs> and that's how I found out I was allergic to them. At the end of the um, one of the Playmate of the Year parties, they were throwing all these stargazer mm -hmm. lilies away. And I thought, these are so beautiful. You can't do that. And so I grabbed like baskets, and I was putting them all in these baskets. And yeah. I took them up to my room, like hundreds of stargazer <laughs> lilies. And I remember like starting to get a headache and my throat started closing up and I couldn't breathe and I was like I think it's these flowers and I took them out of the room and then I started clearing up again and now I know like I'm severely allergic to stargazer lily yeah that's <laughs> nuts and everything in the party is pink yes it's just so cool. And there's blow-ups of the girls' pictures. Giant pictures all and over. And the cover. All the, the former 
playmates from that year and former playmates of the year or just playmates in general all show up for oh the Oh my luncheon. god, it's like every year it's like the playmate reunion because yeah. remember all the older playmates would come back and they were all given like high school reunion style sticker name tags to wear. Yeah, and then they take a giant group picture yeah. and it was just like an incredible event. Yeah, it was so cool. Then it would end at, at nighttime. There'd be another big party. And yeah, then like at some cool bar in West Hollywood or something. Yeah, so it was like a full day of just rigorous press, I'm sure, for the girl who got it. But just a lot of glamour and a lot of fun, amazing prizes and opportunities. Yeah, it just looked so cool. Random sighting. I spotted Oscar Goodman, the mayor of Las Vegas, in the playmate of the year party <laughs> that is weird isn't that random yeah. <laughs> so of course at the end of the cold open they show a random shot of you sitting at the table alone just to show how miserable and lonely you are I know but I and I went back to look at that again like uh-huh. rewound it because I was like where did everybody go like why was I even at the table by myself and it turns out I'm not it's just that Hef is up, probably giving his speech, but mm-hmm. I can see your arm in the chair next to it. So you're in there. Weird, because they really make it look like you're isolated at I this know. table it's alone. It's because the chair next to me and the chair on the other side of me are both open. So they just oh, kind of did it from that angle. Okay. But if you look closely, I'm, I believe it's your arm that I see moving in the thing. And there so are probably like five people across from you too. Probably. Yeah, because yeah. our table is always very full. Plus the Playmate of the Year sits at our table. So I'm pretty sure, because they were both gone, that Hef was probably up giving his speech and and the Playmate of the Year was standing at the side of the stage waiting to, you know, accept. Yeah, that makes sense. Can we talk about how emotional these ceremonies could be? I know, because it shows me crying. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, people probably think... Based on the lead up they gave, people probably think I'm crying because I want it, but I'm crying because the speeches they give are so sweet and so emotional. I say in the commentary that I cried at Carmela's, which is the year before. Oh, I cried. But the one I really remember getting really emotional was Sarah Underwood's. Yep. Oh my God. Me too. Like ugly crying. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I cried at all of them. I cried at Sarah's. I cried at Tiffany's. I cried at Carmela's. But we all, I mean, and um, probably probably cried at Kara's too. Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) And I mean, I know I'm the emotional one on the show anyway, but it really is touching. Everybody gets teary eyed. Yeah. And before we leave the cold open, can we just like talk about Tiffany Fallon and how she's like the perfect playmate and everybody loved her? Yes. She's just like, like when I talk to people about like my experience at Playboy and how it wasn't great. And I say, but you know, not everybody had that experience. Some people had a wonderful experience with Playboy. And she's always like the first person I would think of as somebody who probably came in and just had a great experience. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. And she was just so pretty and so kind and so polite and so smart. Everybody well loved spoken. her. Yeah. She was just a, the, the perfect spokesmodel for Playboy. Like when people talk about Dorothy Stratton and they're always like, she lit up a room everywhere she went. She was going to be the next big star. She was the best playmate. I always think she must have been like a Tiffany Fallon. Mm -hmm. Like that's, like she didn't even have to try. Like she's not one of those girls that has to try hard for attention. She just is. Right. I agree. (laughs) I also wanted to ask too, like, do you think it's weird that they did like some weird kind of impromptu interview with me while I'm getting ready to go down to Playmate of the Year and they asking me how nervous I am? Like, why would I be nervous to go down to Playmate of the Year? And then I say something about, yeah, there's always a lot of press and commotion, and that always gets, like, kind of, I forget how I worded it exactly, but um, 
I get, oh, I don't, I don't want to get sidetracked and everything. And I just, I'm wondering if they were even asking me about Playmate of the Year or if they were asking me about something else and right. put that in there. Yeah, they might Because been. that response just doesn't even make sense for a Playmate of the Year. Yeah, like sidetracked from what? Sitting next to half? Yeah, because we're not <laughs> interviewed at all. Yeah. Like it has nothing to do with us mm-hmm. at all. Uh, and I would not be doing any press or anything. Yeah. The most I would be doing is sitting next to the Playmate and half. I mean... Mm-hmm. And so I'm really confused on where that came from and what it was alluding to. Yeah, that's bizarre. I mean, it just goes to show like they will take anything you say and cut and paste it so they get what they want. I also think that Kendra was running late for Playmate of the Year because they have a scene where Hef goes into a room and says, we're ready. She's in the bathroom and mm-hmm. he walks all the way into the bathroom and says, we're ready when you are. <laughs> and I feel like, probably was Kendra late? Probably. I love my ponytail and bangs in my interview. <gasps> I have it as a note too. I don't know why I didn't do it more often. Well, I do know that I cut bangs and my inspiration was I wanted it to look like a 1950s Barbie doll. It you know did. how the original Barbie yes. had those bangs and she had like a ponytail? That's so funny that you say that because I want to do that for Halloween this year. Oh, you should. But it looked so cute on you. I love it. And I know that I was like over, because bangs just don't really sit right on me. They're always a struggle. So I grew them out almost immediately. But I'm surprised I didn't do that hairstyle more because I look at that interview and I'm like, I love the way I look there. I actually look my age instead of 10 years older with my platinum blonde 1930s hairdo or whatever I was doing. And I'm shocked I didn't do it more. Like I loved it. But I think the mindset that I had back then, I felt like if I wasn't like, in full drag, glammed out that I wasn't attractive, you know? No, I was thinking the same thing that you... With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Looked so cute in those interviews. Thanks. Yeah, now I look back and I'm like, that's the look I should have gone with. Yeah. (laughs) It's hard to know in the moment. And like sometimes you think... I mean, we had to do our hair and makeup so much. And people might think that we had hair and makeup all the time. But we only had hair Never. and makeup for, like, a big event. Or, like, a Playboy photo shoot for, like, the first... But that's later. Like and even... F- I think I only had my makeup done for the first one. I think I started doing my own for all the others. But, like, all of these mm. things, like, the whole TV show and even going down to Playmate of the Year and parties like that and going to the club and stuff, like, we had to do our own... Yeah, we never had glam. No, we didn't have like a glam squad at the mansion that was doing it. I mean, yes, we were allowed to go to the salon and get a blowout and get our color done and stuff. And, you know, we would try to schedule or that. Or a hairdo for a big party, but yeah. never makeup. No, no. It'd have to be for like a major event. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like there's a lot of times where my makeup is poor. <laughs> oh, same. <laughs> Okay, so it shows me giving a tour to the two new arriving playmates, which is very real life because that's something I actually did, as we've mentioned in previous episodes. And I'm giving a tour to Raquel, who's a new girl coming to test. She ends up getting playmate. She's very pretty. She's kind of like Jessica Alba looking. Yeah. And And that was the look that was in back then. Like that was the year that everybody was like, Jessica Alba is the hottest girl alive. So like when Raquel showed up, she kind of has that look a little bit. So I knew she would get it. Yeah. Her test shoes were beautiful. Yeah. And the sound bite they use for me when I'm giving Raquel a tour is that I always want to be, you know, welcoming to the girls or whatever I don't remember when it says 
But what they use is, but I kind of have a barrier up before I let anybody in. And I think that's true for me about anyone just in life because I'm very private and I'm very, you know, just not a social people person. I don't trust anyone. But a big part of the reason I don't trust anyone is because of all the bullshit I dealt with from like those first three or four years at the mansion. But it's interesting that that quote was used there. And I'm not really sure when I said that in an interview that it was about giving Playmates tours because I loved giving the Playmates the tours and I never once through all the years of giving Playmates tours every week, I never met anybody problematic from those tours. Yeah, and I mean, I know we said it before in this, but we went out of our way to make the Playmates and girls coming to test feel comfortable and welcome. But they can't show that because I'm a stuck-up bitch. Right. And and you're jealous and trying to sabotage. Yeah, (laughs) and they just full-on put that in there on purpose to make it look like you're doing what you have to do to show them around, but it's like you're not letting them in. Like It was my idea to give those tours. Right. Because I knew if I did, it would like change the vibe of the whole place and it did yeah. it made it warm and friendly and welcoming and it took the pressure off girls feeling like they might have to do something they might not want to do exactly and then sarah comes she's the next girl trying out who gets playmate and later goes on to get playmate of the year and she was from a town that was really close to the town that i went to high school in. like our high schools were rival high schools so i thought that was really cool it and we even cool. like knew some of the same people and stuff but they don't mention that at all because you can't know anything about holly we can't give any background on her. We don't want anybody to find her relatable in any way. <laughs> I did always think it was weird that they never like showed that connection. Yeah, it was full sabotage. And it's interesting too in my interviews because when I'm talking about it, I'm like, okay, so we're looking for girls who are going to be good with the press, you know, and we're looking for pretty and personality for the girls we're going to hire. Like I'm always saying weird. Like, I'm, I'm not hiring the girls. And it's weird because it's almost like a preview of me working at the studio. I was thinking that too. Yeah. And that was like not even like a Not even close. It was years at that away. time. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. And then they asked me if I would rather be a playmate or Hef's girlfriend. So living the life that I lead and knowing Hef is going to see this, what answer do you think I'm going to give? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. But like you've said a million times, like, why does it have to be mutually exclusive? It doesn't. And it shouldn't have been. And in fact, when I joined the group, I thought all of Hef's girlfriends, with a few exceptions, like if they got caught stealing his pajamas or something and got <laughs> kicked out, became playmates. I just thought it was a thing. And I thought he was proud of the girls and he liked doing it. And You know, I don't know why it was turned into such an evil thing that he used to guilt trip me with. Well, I will say that I do think it makes for a very sweet scene and stuff. It's just... It's just not the full story. Right. Yeah. And then there's this weird shot of Hef, like, doing work in the bed, and I'm, like, asleep, and I look like a corpse. Oh, I don't think you look like a corpse. And I almost wonder, I don't think I was because I'm holding so still, but I'm like, was I faking being asleep until I thought the you were faking left? being asleep. Because that would have been something I would have done. I thought you were faking being asleep, but I didn't think you looked like a corpse. I thought you looked pretty laying there, but Thanks. I think they're just trying to show that like, you know, you're in bed with Hef while mm-hmm. he's staying up late working or whatever, and yeah. that's your dedication and devoted to, and you know, the rest of us are doing other things. <laughs> And then there's this weird scene where Hef is meeting with some of the editors of the magazine and he's going through Playmate layouts yes, and he goes, I cringe. Yeah, he goes, well, it looks like she's, I don't know if she's put on weight or what. Which is like, to be fair, Playboy wasn't the only magazine that had a ridiculous beauty standard. It was all forms of media back then. 
Right. Like it's not right and it's not the way it should have been and it's not the way it should be. But every form of mainstream media was like fat phobic, you know, like there was only one beauty standard. So it doesn't surprise me that he would make a comment like that when he's like looking through a Playmate thing. But he knows the cameras are on him. Yeah. He has executive producer privilege where he gets to watch every episode and make pages of notes and he approves everything that goes in it. And he just thought that was okay to say. Right. And I don't know who he was talking about. Like, it shows the Playmate's picture, but I don't know if that was really who he was talking about in that moment. But she could have seen it and been like, oh, my God. (laughs) It showed several different pictures. And then I feel like it's not clear whether Mm -hmm. when he says it is the one he's looking at when they pan to it or not. But... It's just an interesting choice that he thought that was okay. Yeah. Especially when he could have edited it out later easily. Oh, absolutely. It would have just been one tiny note. Like, nobody would have insisted that stayed. And it would have been so easy for him to say positive things about all the girls. Like, wow, this is a really great shot. 100%. And this is nice lighting. And good job, guys. And, you know, what do we think here? These are both great shots. Which one should we pick? And so, yeah. Instead of going, Ugh, is this the best we have of yeah. this? And this girl looks fat. And yeah. It's, like, very critical. Yeah, it's crazy. And then there's this spot in the interview where I say Hef has very particular beauty standards it makes me wish I had a smaller nose and that just makes me sad because I've already had a nose job right it's in my nose it's in my it's in my nose it's in my notes right now like I I was thinking did Holly really want her her nose no 100% 100% I didn't think it was good enough I wanted like a smaller nose Because I felt like no matter what I did with my appearance, it was never good enough for him. Like, he never complimented the way I looked ever. Like, he might compliment an outfit. And, like, obviously wasn't letting me be in the magazine. So I was, like, constantly, like, scrambling, like, what's wrong with me? What's so hideous about me that I don't see? My teeth are really white. That's one thing I've noticed. (laughs) I still have, like, dysmorphia about, like, yellow teeth. Like, I'll go to the dentist and be like, I need to bleach my teeth. But the white strips aren't working. What do I use? And they'll show me, like, the tooth chart. And they'll be like, you're teeth are bleach white like what are you talking about but they were like radioactive white when I was on girls next door like they used to make a product called smile light that you would put in a tray they don't make it anymore but it got your teeth gleaming white like if I didn't know any better I would think I had veneers just because my teeth were that white I love white teeth too and the same thing happens to me when I go to like I feel like my teeth are all dingy and stuff and I go to the dentist and they're like put the color chart and they're like well I mean you could go number one, but they would really look fake. And I think where you're at right now, which is like mm-hmm. a two or three on the chart or whatever, is just fine. Yeah. And I'm like, really? Because I feel like they're yellow. So I definitely have that too. Yeah. <laughs> Tooth paranoia. <laughs> and I've got to give a little disclaimer again. I know I did this in the last episode, but in these first three episodes, when we complain about a scene with Kendra in it, we're not begging on Kendra. It's not her fault. We're begging on how the producers placed us yeah and let's just remind everybody too at this point in time all of us are getting along great yep like there's not an issue here so this is not a Kendra problem but they tell her to take Sarah to the batting cages the first thing I have in my note is why the heck was Kendra taking Sarah to the batting cages that's not anything she would have normally done never and that's not to say that Kendra doesn't love Sarah I'm sure she does oh no they uh, and that's not to say that Kendra didn't ever make friends with the playmates she did but I think it was more like if she's hanging out downstairs and there's another playmate in the room or if we're going out together and she happens to bond with somebody but I never would think that 
knowing her as I did back then that she would ever just take the time out of her day to be like, you know what, there's a new girl in the guest house. I'm going to make her feel welcome and take her to the batting cages. That would have never happened. I guarantee you. And it also makes me, well, it makes me mad. Like, first of all, I'm already not allowed to have any personality in this show, but they take away something I do and give it to Kendra, which is something she would never do. And when they're driving to the batting cages too, Kendra's even like, I never do that. I never do stuff like this. Except except you, you're my homie, which she's not. She's never met her before that day, but she's just trying to come up with an excuse why they're doing it in front of the cameras because you can't say on camera, the producers told me I have to do this today. Right. And I was just going to say that to be fair, it looks like Kendra's stealing something from you, but it's really the producer stealing something from you. Oh yeah, I don't think yeah, I don't think Kendra was ever sitting there thinking, "You know what? I'm going to do Holly's thing." Like that's not the case. But it's the producers who are like, oh, we want to give Kendra this scene, even though it's something she would have never done. When we go do our thing with Raquel, like, why did we get Raquel and she got Sarah? Like, Sarah and I are from the same county. Like, it would have been cool if we hung out. And I feel like people could have learned a little bit more about me and a little bit more about Sarah if we kind of kind of talked about where we were from and stuff. Nope, nope. They put Sarah with Kendra. Like, it makes zero sense. And the fact that they gave Kendra her own scene, which makes her main character by default, and then put us together, which makes us the backup singers by default. It's just, like you'll see once we get to the end of episode three, you can really see like, oh, they meant to make Kendra the main character the whole time. Well, and not only that, but they make it look like Sarah and Kendra like just have this real bonding time and then they make it look like Raquel can't stand us which is not how it happened at all but they cut to scenes of Raquel sitting down while we're skating like Raquel thinks we're the biggest nerds or something yeah and that she's just not into it and that was never how it was like I remember going and we all had fun right uh also, before we go skating, though, like mm-hmm. I come downstairs and and Audra's there and she's going to go skating with us. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. Have we talked about Audra yet in this? Or no, we, we haven't. I feel like we should talk about her. Yeah, maybe? we need to talk about Audra. So Audra was a playmate. She was a playmate from... Oh, gosh. I don't remember the year. It was probably like 2003 or four. Yeah. And she spent a lot of time at the mansion um, because she lived far away. So she did a lot of Playmate promotions. Mm -hmm. So she was always seen at the mansion all the time. We became really good friends with her. Um, There were rumors that Kendra started in her book. (laughs) Oh, is that where it originally came from? That's where I heard it. Kendra said that we were trying to get her kicked out of the house and get Audra moved in so Audra could be on the show. Okay, so that's... Uh, that is so crazy to me because I never once had a thought of Audra being a girlfriend or and Audra wouldn't have wanted to like Audra had a boyfriend a very famous boyfriend yeah she was dating Michael Keaton and she was also allowed to stay in room four right and with no obligation like she wasn't having sex with Hef or anything else she was just there because she was our friend and we enjoyed having her around and it was so fun so why would Audra want to be a girlfriend with all the obligations that went along with it and restrictions when when she got to live there for free yeah and she was already a playmate and she had a boyfriend like why that's not doesn't even make sense it blew me away when I heard that I was like trying to make Audra a girlfriend or move her in or replace Kendra on the show like I don't even never like like that was never a thought in my head, ever. Yeah. 
But anyway, so I go downstairs and I'm in my little ice skating outfit, like the little fur mm-hmm. jacket thing, because I theme for everything. Sorry yeah. if people don't like it. <laughs> Too bad. And um, and then there's a really awkward scene with Audra and I. And Audra says, "Oh, uh, yeah, I was gonna. I was thinking about wearing like a corny little outfit like that too, but I decided not to. I thought I might be the only one." And I, I don't think she meant it mean though. No, I don't think so either. <laughs> yeah. I don't, and I didn't take it that way at the uh-huh. time. But watching it back now, I'm it like, it makes her look like a bitch. It makes her look like a bitch, but it also um, makes me feel like it was such an awkward scene between actually two really good friends. Yeah. And I thought, how did they that? do Audra dirty on this show? We'll get to it in later episodes, but I just thought, how did how did that two like a, a silly little conversation between two friends like feel so awkward and and icky? And it's really short and it's really small and I probably shouldn't even like bring it up or complain about it, but it was very weird. Yeah. I mean, they just did anything, I think, to make it look like we were bitches and we didn't really get along with the playmates and stuff. And I love how Audra is like chin to toe in black. Like it looks like she's ready to do like green screen or like stunt work or (laughs) something. Yeah. Professional (laughs) ice skater. Well, I think she had done ice skating before. No, I kind of remember that because I remember her being good. Yeah. And I do have to say in here, there's a really another cute, cute thing of Gizmo and another Anastasia sighting. There's two <laughs> really cute shots of Gizmo, like artistically cute shots of Gizmo in this episode. Yeah, I, I just love, love it. it. It warms my heart so much to see her again. It's my favorite part of the show is just capturing the animals. Okay, so when we're all going out to the club with the playmates, we go in this Hummer limo. And when we step out of the limo... It's like that scene in Fast Times at Ridgemont High where they open the door of the stoner van and all the smoke I comes know. out. Did we have a fog machine in there? We what must have. It? We must have. I think I vaguely remember a fog machine in like one of the limos at some point. And I we, do too. Us thinking it was a novelty. But it looks like we are smoking in there. <laughs> I don't care. I think that's funny. No, I think it's funny too. But <laughs> We're I, hot it, lo- it looks limo. like Fast Times at Ridgemont High. It totally does. But you know what? I wanted to comment on a scene before that. Uh-huh. When all the girls come down and we're getting ready to go to the club and Sarah walks down and Kendra's like super complimentary towards her and is asking her about like if she's wearing boob tape and stuff like that. And I just feel like we were all always very complimentary of all the girls and each other. Every time people came down from the club like, oh my God, that dress is amazing or your hair looks so good or you look beautiful tonight or doing all that kind of oh, stuff. For sure. But they never once showed us like complimenting anybody, only Kendra complimenting Sarah. Because I'm not saying that Kendra wasn't uh, complimentary and welcoming to the girls. Of course she was, but so were we. Yeah, absolutely. So we get out of the limo, it's hot boxing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then it's the scene. This uh. is this is a scene that they intercut an interview with me from another time with the girls going out to the club and partying and drinking. And I'm saying stuff like that I don't even remember exactly what I said or how I said it, but that basically these girls have an amazing opportunity and then and they go out the night before and they are drinking and taking shots and they're going to feel like shit the next day. And I felt like they were kind of ruining their opportunity by doing that and or not taking their opportunity as seriously as they should. And I said, and it makes me giggle like when they did, and they, sh- but they intercut that scene with the girls drinking and taking shots and partying and me laughing as if I'm laughing at them and make it look like I'm plying them with alcohol and setting them up to fail at their shoot the next day. And in reality, 
I have no control over what nights we go out. Yeah. I have no control of where we go. I have no control of how much they're drinking or, or how many shots are ordered or in what, what they're doing, any of that kind of stuff. I was just saying that I do look at that and think that they are sabotaging their opportunity mm-hmm. for the next day. But it's cut to look like I am sabotaging their opportunity it's for the next really day. It's really fucked up. Like, that's probably the most fucked up cut they do, I think. It's really upsetting to me. It's absolutely horrifying. Like, I'm sick over it. I also feel like the whole episode makes makes it really look like I'm feeling this way towards Raquel and Sarah personally too which Sarah and I became really great friends Mm -hmm. and even did stuff like after the show and after the mansion and everything Raquel lived all the way in Florida so we didn't see her that much Mm -hmm. after but I have no ill feelings towards her either like everything was like just edited so badly and it's just so bad and to this day well I mean not that I was feeling it this whole time because I've like I said, it's been so long since I watched them. But ever since I watched them, like, I'm literally just sick about it. Just sick about it. No, I know exactly how you feel. It's gross. So then they cut to a scene of Raquel doing her test shoot at the studio. And she looks absolutely gorgeous. Stunning. And yeah. one of the things I noticed about the scene that's so funny is Steve Wada, the photographer, has a really monotone voice. Which I also have a monotone voice, so I'm not bagging on that at all. But his voice is so monotone, he, it makes everything he says sound funny. Oh. Like, he just sounds like this kind of curmudgeon character. You know what I mean? Yeah. So every time he comes on and says something, I, it makes me laugh. Oh, I used to be kind of afraid of Steve because he sound, he his voice sounds curmudgeon Like, I was like, oh, Steve. Yeah. Like, I don't think he likes me. Like, and he's a uh, teddy bear, but... Oh, but at first you're like, what? <laughs> he did my, I'm pretty sure he did my second test yeah, he shoot. Did. And uh, the pictures were amazing. Like he's, he's incredible. a phenomenal photographer and he really knows how to make a woman look sexy. Like a hundred percent. Yeah. Like he's great. So. I looked him up on Instagram to see what he was up to. And he went to Bali. I don't think he lives there. He just went there and his personality is Bali now. I love it. <laughs> oh my gosh, that happens to so many people once they go there. It's like really? transformative for some reason. Whoa. For Not everybody, but for mm-hmm. a lot of people, I've noticed that that happens to them. That's an interesting phenomenon. Yeah. Whoa. It's, cr- it's interesting. <laughs> so I said before that I think you are the only one who's open and honest in their interviews. When Kendra acts like she doesn't care either way or doesn't even think about being in the magazine, do we believe that? No. I don't believe it either. Like, I don't think she was probably as fixated on it as we were. Because I think not. a part of what we loved about it is we love, like, the artistry behind it and the theming and, like, the hyper-femininity. And that wasn't really her thing. But I do remember her making comments even before the show started filming around Hef that seemed like hints, like she wanted to. Yeah, I think she looked at it as an opportunity. Yeah, for sure. You like, know, like, anybody would have wanted to do it. <laughs> yeah, but not so much as, like, like I wanted it for the opportunity, no doubt. But mm-hmm. I also wanted it for the photos and that just that experience yeah. and to have that for the rest of my life. And just, like, the campiness of being Miss whatever your month is. Yes. There's something, there's, like, a camp quality to it that I think appeals to us, too. And like I mentioned, uh, like, when I think the first episode or whatever, I used to do spokesmodeling, promotional stuff, mm-hmm. and I love doing that kind of thing. Like, I love yeah. being a spokesmodel for stuff. And I thought, why not Playboy? Because it's, you know, I love it so much. I could really be a great spokesperson for this. Yeah. And you were. Like, you did great 
PR for Hef over the years, being asked the worst, roughest questions. <laughs> so, oh, you know what? I don't know if you want to talk about this, but Kendra um, mentions it in the commentary, but that she wasn't 21 and came out to the club with us. Yeah, I mean that happened all the time. And like Hef regularly her. brought her to the clubs, and nobody carded. And like, I don't care if somebody who's 20 is drinking personally. Like, it's not like a big deal. But it's just interesting that, you know. Just what people got away with. Right. I remember the only establishment in L.A. we went to that ever had an issue with it was the Magic Castle. Yeah. They that was def- the only one who cared. <laughs> they made her wear something special. She had to wear like a lapel pin so everybody knew not to serve her. Yeah. I mean, this is also where they, they're just still at this point intercutting the girls drinking and me voicing over like yeah. just mean things or it sounds like mean things Mm -hmm. and um and I say in there you know I'm jealous because I was jealous and I don't mean that in a bad way like I mean that in like an envious way I don't know if envious sounds any better but like in a in like just a way that like I want to be in that position too oh for sure and like I said before like they interviewed me about six times just grilling me on this and some of them were just on the fly and are they're mm-hmm. called OTF for if you guys don't know they they're they're like not lighted sit down interviews but they're just like they pull you aside and they Stand just start in a corner yeah and <laughs> they just to camera yeah and they just start asking you a million questions about something and you're totally caught off guard and don't know and they several of the interviews were that do you remember wild lines Yes. That's how they really get what they wanted. Because after we were done with like our sit down interview, they would hand us a script, like a literal page with all these sentences on it that you were supposed to say. And you had no idea in what context they were going to be used. And most of them sounded pretty innocuous. Mm -hmm. But it was so they could get you saying something that you didn't organically say or wouldn't say. Yeah, it would be something like, so Kendra took Sarah to the batting cages without us. Yeah. And, but you didn't know like how, and I'm just making that line mm-hmm. up, but you didn't know like how they were going to cut it. Were they going to cut it like, so Sarah, t- or Kendra took Sarah to the batting cages without us. As yeah. In, like, you know, or Sarah took care, or Kendra took Sarah to the batting cages without us. Like you yeah. don't know like mm-hmm. how they're going to edit it in there. And they make you say it in a bunch of different ways. Like deliver yeah, it this way. Yeah, you can't just it do it one way. way. They try to trick you and throw you off guard. But it sounds like it's just a normal line yeah it seems like innocuous stuff like it's never a sentence you would read and be like oh Oh, I'm I'm not not gonna say I stuck a fucking dildo up my ass last night or whatever (laughs) you know it's never anything like that I'm not gonna say I fucking hate Kendra and she's a bitch but um you know it was always like innocuous stuff but we twisted right in a way to mean something that you would have never said So then we have a scene of Kendra working out, which is the same footage they use in like three different episodes. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because I think out of all of us, you were the one who worked out the most regularly. Like you'd go to Barry's boot camp. You were really, you know. Hiking all the time. Yeah. You were the one who did it every day. And I don't know what Kendra did on a day-to-day basis during the day. So she might have been working out every day. I don't know, but I don't think she was that disciplined about it. I don't think she was that disciplined about it. I mean, she was very active in sports Mm -hmm. and stuff. Like, she liked to go out golfing or, you know, do different things like that. But um, batting cages, whatever. But I don't know about so much the gym. I mean, even she says in the commentary, they showed me in that same workout outfit three times. That was the same day. Yeah, and it's just interesting that you worked out all the time and they never show it. I know. Like, she worked out one day and they use it in all three episodes. And I don't know why that is. Like I was not, I, I feel do. like they wanted, 
do you think that they wanted to show that I didn't want play uh, that I wasn't trying hard enough for play me or I don't think they were doing that to you in this episode but for me because I know that nothing goes into this episode accidentally there's a purpose for everything I think the first time I watched these episodes through 15 or 16 years ago I thought oh this just kind of seems random this just kind of seems like whatever this is filler but now that I've kind of been behind the scenes on things and you know grown older like I know that nothing goes in there on accident and they show Kendra working out like she's so disciplined works out so hard you know the girls are talking about wanting to be in the magazine so she probably really deserves it because she works so hard she's the only one working hard Mm -hmm. at it and then they juxtapose that with a shot of me sitting down in the front lawn with my dogs running around me and a voiceover of me saying yeah I don't really like to work out like my workouts are like roller skating sex just like dumb stuff I say And I know they're doing that on purpose because they want to make it look like, because they probably don't know how Hef is going to handle the pictorial when we eventually get the pictorial. They might be hoping that there's some sort of contest. Like, ooh, does one girl get more pictures than the other? Or does one girl get the centerfold and the others get a thing or only one girl on the cut? Like, they don't know how it's going to pan out. And I feel like they're setting it up as like this competitive thing where Kendra looks like she's worthy because she has the discipline and she's working hard on her body and I look unworthy because I'm lazy right I can totally see that and the truth of the matter is I'd rather fucking read a book I'm sorry that's not interesting for reality tv but I always thought working out was boring I do it now because I'm older and I feel like I kind of have to but back then I was in my early 20s I didn't need to I counted every calorie I ate because I was dysmorphic and crazy but I didn't have to work out and sorry I'd rather read a book fuck off like I'm mad about it (laughs) but I feel like they're doing that purposely to set it up like Kendra's so worthy of being in the magazine and Holly's not because she's a lazy bitch and doesn't even work for it yeah I can see that and we'll get to these later because it's not in here yet but I always felt like too they were showing me like being kind of like the one that was always eating and like a hundred percent it reminds me of like Alvin Simon and Theodore and Theodore his one trait is food Right, and every time they, every time, we'll get to them, but every time there was a scene with like a buffet or something, I was like, ooh, cookies, oh, buffet, oh, pizza, ooh. And it's like me gravitating towards the food before anything else, and I was just like, wait, what? So they'd never show you working out, even though you worked out more than any of us. Right, because it's not my character. Yeah, it's so annoying. It's very frustrating, especially when you... When you put a lot of a lot into that, I mean, mm-hmm. it's a lot when yeah. you work out every day and you do stuff like Barry's boot camp and hike Runyon Canyon and 100%. like stuff like that. It's a lot, and it's a big part of your life. Yeah. So then we go to Geisha House, mm-hmm. a restaurant with all the girls. My hair is looking so crispy. I wish I could go back and give myself a keratin treatment. But that and like Brazilian blowouts and stuff that didn't exist back then. So if you had bleached hair, it was going to be a crispy critter. And let's mention that when we went out to a restaurant, Hef would never order the food at the restaurant. He always had food brought from the mansion mm-hmm. for a chef to prepare, which is just wild. Right. And it was always lamb chops, a baked potato, and a like side of peas. Canned peas. Canned peas. <laughs> and I do, I do not like peas, and especially canned peas. Canned peas are disgusting. And they smelled so bad. Oh, and they would no. always like slide them next to me. And I was like, oh, <laughs> but one of my pet peeves in life is people who are rude to waiters like I spent so many years like working in like customer service and like as a waitress and stuff so when people are rude or condescending to waiters it makes me want to crawl in a hole and die 
And we get a solid moment of Hef like being rude to the waiters and being rude to, you know, his security and what's taken so long yeah. and how dare they take so long. And it's funny because they cut to a scene in the kitchen where the manager is talking to the chef like, do you know who these are for? This is for Hugh Hefner, you know, Playboy. And the chef does not give a fuck. No, <laughs> it doesn't. But I also feel like that was sort of a sabotage thing too because I think that the cameras are what slowed down the kitchen. Oh, that's probably true. Because they were doing all those scenes mm-hmm. like trying to show how they have to prepare a special meal for Hef. Because this is, a, this is a sushi restaurant we're at. And they're yeah. having to like bake lamb chops and bake potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. That's probably true. So I feel like that's what really slowed it down. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't the restaurant's fault. It was it was the camera crew's fault. But then And then they show Hef being impatient. And again, he could have edited that out and didn't. He didn't care because I think he just doesn't see that he looks like he's being a dick or just not considerate to you know people who are in a customer service position and I just think for him it's kind of like the emperor's new clothes like he kind of loses sight of things a little bit because he's surrounded by yes people all the time like he probably thinks he's perfectly justified in demanding his food because I mean it was taking forever of course I would speak to somebody like that you know what I mean Mm -hmm. (laughs) meanwhile I'm sitting there like you can see on my face I want to just dissociate and get out of that reality (laughs) yeah one thing I noticed when we are coming back in the limo, you see the gate close behind us and there's like a Christmas light American flag on the back. Mm-hmm. And I remember they put that up right after 9-11. Oh, I So if you're know. not old enough to remember, like right after 9-11, everybody got patriotic all of a sudden everywhere. And I just, I'd forgotten all about the Christmas light flag. And I remember, oh, that was a 9-11 thing. Oh, that's a sweet touch. Yeah. So we go upstairs. Hef says he wants to. Oh, well, Hef says, I, uh, Bridgie, can you come upstairs? And... I wasn't too afraid. I mean, anytime he says that, you're like, uh-huh. oh, shit. Like, what what happened? Like, what's going on? But I wasn't too concerned because he had a book he wanted to give me. Yeah. And so I thought, I just kind of thought, well, that's, that's what he's going to give me right now. And I didn't know he asked Kendra to come upstairs, too. Mm-hmm. So then, like, but it's very dun-dun-dun. Yeah, you don't, you're like, oh, God, what? <laughs> Am I in trouble? <laughs> yeah, and I feel like they could have played that up even more than they did because... Oh, they should have, I think, looking back. Yeah. But they're, it's like they could have done something like that so... Like, that would have been so simple, and it doesn't make anyone look bad. But instead, let's make Bridget look like she's getting the Playmates wasted. Right. It's like, come on, guys. And so we go up to Hess's room, and he says... And he's, I feel like there's no like real pomp and circumstance on this. He just says, I'm going to let you guys shoot like a pictorial and a cover. I can't promise anything. Yeah. And so it was exciting. And honestly, I like, I'm looking at that to see how I react and how I feel about hearing it now. And I, I feel like it's something I wanted for so long that I just didn't even know how to act at the time. And also he said, I can't guarantee it. Right. We'll see. So I, I was excited, but not too excited. Me too. Because I thought, I thought a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I thought he could look at this and be like, nah, it's not good enough. Or the show could get canceled and he could be like, never mind. Yes. <laughs> or I thought um, maybe the people, the other editors or people in Chicago or whatever would be like, no, no more of the girlfriends. Thought yeah. we agreed. Like, this is a no. Or I thought it even could be, like you said, a competition where like, they're like, okay, well, Kendra looks good enough, but the other two, nah. Yeah, we just didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. 
And you know what that scene reminded me of? And I think this is another reason I wasn't as horrified with the episodes as I am now, is the things I noticed back then that would have horrified me are different. I was so self-conscious of the way I looked when I lived at the mansion. And I remember in that scene, I'm wearing like this blue lycra dress and I'm a little bit bloated and I'm standing from the side. So you see me in profile. And I just remember being so ashamed of that footage and just like, oh my God, everybody's going to think... I'm a cow. Like that was like that was the big thing that I thought was a big deal back then. Right. Which is dumb, but that was just the mindset I was in because of where I lived. I just thought because our entire worth was based on how we looked and how compliant we were. And I just thought, oh my God, I am losing points as a human because I'm bloated. Like that was the feeling, you know? Yeah. I know sort of what you mean because I look at that scene and I feel like I don't I don't look pretty and I look I didn't I don't like my hair I don't like my makeup in a lot of scenes but in that scene too and I just think okay maybe you're not worthy of getting playmate here no. you know like <laughs> no but that's the way yeah. I'm like feeling that's the way I'm looking at, time, at it and yeah. critiquing it and I'm just like oh everybody's probably looking at that and going that girl's ugly like why would no. she be in the magazine <laughs> you know but no but those are which those are the things that go through your mind mm-hmm I just didn't know how to act. I just, and and you know that the cameras are on you mm-hmm. and they're waiting for this big um, response and you want to be grateful. And I was, I was yeah. 100% grateful and you want to be excited. But at the same time, it, like, like I said before, you're, you waited for it for so long and, and it's a maybe you're going to get yeah, it. Yeah. And we always felt like we were going to have the rug pulled out from us at any moment there. So mm-hmm. We're excited, but I don't know. I don't know. I didn't want to jinx myself, I think. Oh, definitely I think not. that was part of it. I yeah. think we probably both felt like we didn't want to overreact or we're jinxing it. And can we talk about how good this scene makes Hef look? Because it makes it look like... Because if you're a viewer who doesn't really know anything about the situation and you're watching it, you see three girls who really want to be in the magazine, especially you, and we haven't been able to get that. And then... By the end of the episode, you know, 20 minutes later, Hef's handing it to us on a silver platter. So to the viewer, it looks like, oh my God, the girls have wanted this for so long. And the second Hef got wind of that, he handed them their dream. And I think that's where a lot of people are coming from when they get mad at me for telling the truth about my situation and say, you need to be so grateful. And don't get me wrong, I'm grateful for the good things that happened. I mean, for sure, I'm 100% appreciative. But I know that everything Hef gave to us, or at least gave to me, I felt like he only gave because he felt like, A, it was something that was the bare minimum to keep a girl around because he always wanted to be surrounded by a certain number of girls, or it was something that worked for him. And make no mistake, the only reason he put us in the magazine was because it worked for the show. It gave content for the show. It made the magazine look glamorous because it shows these girls who've dreamed about it their whole lives getting to do it. And Playboy was desperate for people to put on the cover. Like the magazine wasn't doing well just because magazines in general were having a harder time around the early 2000s. But like celebrities didn't really want to pose for Playboy. It was rare. Like I would say once a year they probably got a good relevant celebrity to pose, if that. So the fact that, okay, well there's this show on E! with three girls who happen to live in the house. I mean, it just worked for everybody. That's the only reason he did it. He didn't do it because he's this kind benefactor who sweeps orphan girls off the street and hands them everything they've ever dreamed of. Wait, so you're saying he didn't like 
realize that we were just so gorgeous and what was he doing <laughs> not putting us in the magazine that whole time <laughs> hell no <laughs> shit <laughs> well I also want to point out that you say um that you feel like it legitimizes you I I thought that that was um very telling on how you felt about it and how his previous girlfriends had all been pretty much all of them had been playmates a hundred percent because I wanted to be a playmate very much when I moved in, but after our relationship got complicated and emotional and codependent and unhealthy, and I'm looking back and I'm seeing not everybody he's dated has been in the magazine, but like all his main girlfriends and like major love interests and more have all been in the magazine or on the cover and he won't let me do it. I mean, that'll give you a complex, especially when you're young. Like, I just felt like, whoa, what the fuck is wrong with me? Like, why did it all stop at me? Right. You know? So I, so being a playmate, it, like, took on this whole other layer of importance to me after I moved in. Yeah. So in the end, there's a happy ending, but I feel like it was a lot at my expense. A hundred percent. Yeah. For the show to have a payoff, or have to have a payoff, for all of us to have that payoff, but like I said, when you're living in that bubble and then, and then you get the thing that you've been wanting your whole life, mm-hmm. you feel like, okay, well, I guess. I'm not going to complain about the things that got me here, even exactly. if it was horrible editing that makes me look like a terrible person, you know? Right. And, and hopefully, uh, you've watched more of the episodes than I have, but it does get better from here. It gets better. I mean, trust me, there's a lot I want to complain about and we're going to have a lot of things to set the record straight on. But the first three are rough. Definitely. And, um, you know, it was edited so nastily towards me that I was thinking, I never want to do reality TV again. Like, I was open to it. People, Somebody asked me not that long ago, would you do Girls Next Door Reunion? And I was like, yeah, why not? But after watching this, I was like, oh, my God, I, I never want to do reality TV again. No, I feel the same way. Like, I remember during the pandemic – We were talking to a producer about doing some kind of reality TV thing, and I was pretty open to it. I was like, you know what? Yeah, I think I'm at a place in my life where if these boundaries were respected, I'd do it. But after going back and watching Girls Next Door, terrified. Like, I don't think I'd do it because I don't trust a producer to not make me look like shit. Yeah, I think the only way I would do it now is to have final say on, like, before it went out to make sure that things like this didn't happen. Absolutely. Like I, I get editing and I get, you know, creating certain things mm-hmm. and stuff like that, but not like that. And not- I know every episode needs conflict and yeah. drama and I'm willing to play along and provide that if it's something real. Right. If it's, if it was something that came out in a show and I wouldn't have to feel like I needed to run to my YouTube to clarify the next day, I'd do it. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like I don't know if that would be the case. Like, it was so bad watching these three episodes, and I felt so sick about it that I was like, I even called Holly, and I was like, I don't think I can do this. Like, Yeah, meaning the podcast. Mean the, yeah, <laughs> this podcast. I don't, this is awful. Like, I feel horrible, and I don't, I don't even want to finish watching these episodes. Like, I don't know if I, and she kept saying, no, it gets better. Trust me, it gets better. Mm-hmm. But, and, but I, like, wanted to stop this right now before we even did this episode. Like, I was like, okay, we did episode one, and I'm done. I think it also watching these first three, it's a huge feeling of betrayal too, because like we knew we were done dirty. We knew we weren't the favorites, but there was so many years when I thought I had a genuine friendship with Kevin, the producer 
And now I look back and now that I can see it with more hindsight and with a clearer eye, and now that I can see, you know, from somebody who's been behind the scenes, like with a producer's eye, what they were doing the whole time, I'm like, it's a huge feeling of betrayal. It is. It definitely is. And I I think I've mentioned this probably multiple times, but just to reiterate again, when I came in, when I agreed to do this, like I didn't have ill feelings towards the producers or Kevin Hef or Kendra, anybody at all like I just I didn't have any bad feelings at all and you know I just I do feel the portrayal though here okay so what's your favorite thing and what would you change if you could change it about this episode I I know this is going to be a big one for you (laughs) I mean I my favorite thing is probably getting the pictorial at the end or the possible pictorial I have a really hard time and I hate to say this because I know I just sound like ungrateful and horrible but I have a hard time picking a favorite with this episode. There's not much that I love. Like, yeah, there's the basic things. Like, I love seeing Sarah's face. I love seeing the dogs. I love those shots of Gizmo are so beautiful. But I'm trying to think of something in this episode. I like my ponytail, you know? Mm -hmm. But I'm trying to think of something substantial in this episode I love. And it's really hard because I feel like we were done dirty across the board. I agree. And if there's one thing I could change, it's everything. I like delete this whole episode. (laughs) Oh yeah, like redo it. I think if I could pick something personal to change, like obviously it's horrible what they did to you. And I know that's what you would change. If I could pick something else to change, I would have them keep it more real as far as the whole plot line of us showing the new girls around. Because either we would have done it all together or it would have been me and you taking Raquel and Sarah out. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening and watching along with us. Be sure and watch episode three, Happy Birthday, Kendra, so we can go over it all together next week. You can find that on Tubi, Amazon Prime, DVDs if you can find them. Yeah, see you guys next week. See you next week.